Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. super exciting guests today. We have Yair Greenbaum and Kyle Bernhardi, and each of them will introduce themselves in a minute here. Um, so this episode today is going to be focused a little bit on sort of how HarperDB and Akamai are working together from a high level, but also we're going to jump into the history of the internet, which I'm pretty excited about because I think different people have different interpretations about it and um, to hear from intelligent folks like these two is always uh is always you know you can learn something new so um yeah thank you both for tuning in today i would love uh, for each of you to kind of share a bit more about who you are uh, your background in tech and kind of what you're working on now if you want to go first yeah you're great thanks you thank you um really happy to be here i'm you know really excited about harper db and the stuff that we are doing together um, and we're going to talk about in, in a few minutes. So um, yeah, I'm Yair Greenbaum. I'm currently a major account executive at Akamai Technologies, meaning um, I'm a salesperson responsible for the business relationship with some of Akamai's um, largest API customers. I've been with Akamai for almost 13 years. I started back in 2010. I did a bunch of uh, technical roles with Akamai Professional Services Organization, starting as a project manager and engagement manager, working for what we call digital media customers all of this time. Most of what I've done evolves around um, video delivery, large-scale live events, and when we started transitioning into security, a lot of um, our security implementations and about two years ago, I decided to try something new and jump on uh, to the dark side of sales. And I've been doing sales um, ever since, again, with some of Akamai's largest uh, digital media customers and working with HarperDB for the past um, six or seven months uh, on a very exciting project that we will talk about. In my personal life, um, I live in New Jersey, right, right outside of New York City. My wife and three kids. Uh, my son is 11, my daughter is nine, and the youngest daughter is four. Um, originally from Israel, we love to travel, we love to hike. We just talked about it before the podcast. We just came back from two weeks in Europe. Um, in my spare time that I don't have a lot of, um, I, I also run. Um, I ran over 25 marathons in the past 15 years and a few ultra marathons. So that's my um, kind of like free time passion. Um, really happy to be here and excited to talk about the cool stuff that we are building together. That's pretty impressive. I um, not only 25 marathons, but also super marathons. That's um, quite the accomplishment. So <laughs> especially with obviously having three kids and full-time job and everything. So um, that's awesome. Thank you, Yair, for the introduction. And then Kyle would love to hear um, from you. Sure, yeah, I'm Kyle Bernhardy, EVP of Engineering at HarperDB. Um, you know, my career, we've talked a bit in the past about my history, but, you know, just high level, I've worked primarily in the startup space um, throughout the majority of my career. My very first job, I started out in technical support for 
a pretty mature software company. They've been around since like 1969 and I was supporting their uh, reporting tools. Um, so while I never planned it, a lot of when I look back, a lot of the trajectory of my career has been really focused on databases, like utilization of databases, trying to get them, them to be as optimal as possible, effective queries, and then also trying to figure out like how to get more power out of them, like the tricks and what can we do? How do we tie them together? You know, doing integrations, ETLs, things like that. Um, you know, which when I look back, none of it was planned, but there is a trajectory that has obviously led me to where I am now. And all that experience has definitely informed, you know, where we, you know, take our product and, you know, our perspective around it. It's not just mine. It's, you know, Steven and Fred and, you know, Jackson and our whole team. It's not just me. Um, and it's been really exciting. You know, we've in the last three months, we've added a 50% headcount to our team and just adding more perspective and more experience to our team has been really fun and really exciting. Um, and getting to work with Akamai, so working with Yair really closely, and it's been a great partnership that we've had um, because they're, every single person that we work with is exceptionally technical um, and our missions are really in alignment and that makes it really easy from a partnership perspective. We're trying to achieve the same things and, you know, we, our products support each other. And so that's been really exciting um, from a, just, you know, like a work perspective and getting to work with not just smart people, but really like nice people um, as well. And just trying to collaborate and work together. Um, but you know what I'm focused on now is we're finishing up our 4.0 release, which is going to be a pretty feature-rich release, <laughs> I would say. Um, the primary focus of it is around our data replication and clustering. That's going to be the really big component of it. Um, and so really like entering into a much more mature phase of uh, you know where we are as a product, we think about HarperDB 3.0 and 3X has been more about like stability and four is about maturity and, you know, moving forward and really elevating our customers forward to where they need to go. Um, and that's taking up a lot of my time is just like, you know, working with engineering, working with uh, products, things like that. Uh, in my personal time, I used to run, like hearing Yair talk about running makes me a little jealous. I used to run in college and post-collegiately, but I've had knee surgery, so that's uh, no longer. But living in Colorado, I do a lot of Colorado stuff. You know, I bike, I climb, um, go hiking, love backpacking, um, and uh, hopefully do some more traveling soon. Uh, be I'm looking forward to that. I've done a bit of traveling in the past and looking forward to doing that in the upcoming year. So that's me. Great. Thank you, Kyle. And, and yeah, I know, um, I know our whole team is pretty eager for the 4.0 release and we're kind of gearing up for how to communicate that to our users. And um, I think that'll be super exciting. So obviously thanks to you and the engineering team for all the, all the work you guys are doing on that. Um, so yeah, you're just in case people listening are not familiar, would love just a quick overview on what is Akamai, what's the latest kind of pitch. Um, Great. 
So, so yeah, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Akamai, what Akamai is, but maybe, you know, before we start a quick disclaimer that everything that I'm going to say today uh, are my personal views. This is not Akamai official messaging. Um, you know, I, I work for Akamai, but um, anything that I'm going to say today is my personal opinion and my kind of like personal view on on things that should not be considered as official, um, you know, Akamai messaging. So, so what is Akamai? Um, very early on, and back in the end of the 1990s, Tom Layton, who is our current CEO, and his co-founder Danny Lewin, identified a problem with the way the internet was designed. Um, with the model of client and server, the client is making a request from outside or at the edge of the network um, for content that is stored, processed, or produced on a server that is located at the center of the network. So users, and especially on the internet, which is a global network, users, um, have to wait for their request to travel all the way from the edge to the center of the internet and the response to come back to them. When you're looking at a, a web page that requires multiple, um, dozens and sometimes hundreds of requests to go back and forth between the user and the server, it becomes very inefficient. When you multiply this by thousands, hundreds of thousands, or even millions of users accessing servers, um, you realize that the model is very inefficient. So Danny and Tom came up with the idea of building a network that they called an edge network of servers that are delivering content from the edges of the internet. So instead of a user making requests that will go all the way to a server that stores or processes the information, the content will be served from a server at the edge of the internet. Now these edge servers are going to be shared by multiple content providers. So you can think of Akamai as a network of supermarkets that is delivering content in our case or products in a supermarket case closer to users. So if you live in a town, you don't have to go to the farm to get your vegetables or to the dairy farm to get your milk or to you know, the, the butcher to get your, your meat. You go to the supermarket and everything is being delivered to a location close to you. You can think of the Akamai Edge server as the supermarket of the internet delivering content closer to users. So that's one advantage. And the second advantage is that if multiple users from a location, from a similar location, whether it's a city um, or, or a state or a, a limited geographical location are accessing the same content, the content is being served from an Akamai server that is closer to them. So we say that Akamai made the internet work initially. Back in the day, for those uh, of you who were around, um, we used to call the internet the worldwide wait 
So you used to click on a link or load a page and sit back and wait sometimes for long minutes for the page to load. And Ak Akamai came in with the invention of the CDN and basically solved one of the main challenges of the internet, which are these round trips back and forth from users all the way to the servers. So, so this was the idea. Um, Danny and Tom started the company back in 1998 and it became very successful and controlled the CDN market for, for many, many years. Um, around 2000, between 2010 and 2012, Akamai started after building the largest CDN on the planet and we currently have more than 350,000 servers global deployed in over 5,000 locations globally serving content on the internet, Akamai looked at this and realized that we can leverage this infrastructure also to do other things. And we started building solutions around cybersecurity, cloud security, mainly DDoS mitigation. So using this huge network as a big global web firewall to protect our customers against um, denial of service attacks that are coming from outside and trying to attack these resources. We also used a lot of the, the information and the intelligence that, that we are gathering on traffic patterns globally on the internet and designed um, bot mitigation, mitigation solutions. Um, so a, a big portfolio of, of secure internet and cloud security products that were built on on top of this this network that Akamai started deploying back in the end of the 1990s. So so you can think of it as a first generation, you know, between 2000 and 2010 of building the world's largest content delivery network, delivering websites at a massive scale as well as video. We were the first to, uh, uh, to actually deliver um, large-scale live stream over the internet. I was fortunate enough to be involved in some of these really, really large live streaming sports and music events back um, you know, in, in 2010 um, and a little bit afterwards. So we built this network for the first 10 years um, and, and we're still using it and then Kind of like the second decade was a focus around cloud security and cybersecurity, and we are now entering the third phase um, of Akamai, which is around compute. Akamai recently acquired a company by the name of Linode, um, which we say is a mini AWS. It's a it's a cloud provider, and and we're we're seeing Linode as the foundation for Akamai's third decade, which will focus on compute. So that's, you know, a really quick overview of, of what Akamai is, what we do, what the technology is, um, and obviously our partnership with HarperDB around the vision of a hyper-distributed compute platform. The same way that we built the CDN, we see compute evolving into a hyper-distributed platform and we see the, the, the partnership with HarperDB um, as a as a very strong foundation in in building this network, um, so I want to pause here for a second and spend a few minutes talking about our um, one of our founders, Danny Lewin. 
Danny grew up in the United States and moved to Israel with his family during his high school years. After high school, Danny joined the Israeli military um, as part of one of Israel's top commando unit. Danny excelled as a commando soldier, um, became an officer, and ended up staying in the Israeli armed forces for four years. After finishing his military service, Danny started studying at the Israeli Technion, which is the equivalent of um, MIT, one of the top or the top um, school for um, computer science and, and mathematics in Israel. Um, he was an amazing student and after graduating from um, the Technion, he started working at MIT, I'm sorry, he started working at IBM labs in Israel. Um, a few years after that, he came back to the United States um, and started his master's and PhD studies at MIT under um, Professor Tom Layton, who is uh, the current uh, CEO of Akamai. Danny's research um, focused on optimization of traffic on large computer networks, and his work was the foundation for the technology that uh, drove um, Akamai. Danny and Tom started Akamai in, in 1998. The company became very successful. Um, and unfortunately, Danny was killed during the 9-11 attack. Danny was on one of the planes during 9-11 and is considered the 9-11 hero as he is the person that actually fought the kidnappers on the plane that crashed into the ground in Pennsylvania. We will always remember Danny at Akamai. Um, his spirit is still with us. Danny used to always say um, two things. One is we move mountains and we really feel that at Akamai we can move mountains. Anything is possible. We can do big or accomplish big things together. And the other thing that Danny used to say is we are behind. He used to motivate people with the saying that we are behind. Always a sense of urgency, always a sense of, you know, competition and racing with, with others. Um, we remember Danny, um, our top award at Akamai every year that is given to a distinguished individual is the Danny Lewin Award. We also have a day um, every year at Akamai that is called the Danny Lewin Day, where people can go out and, and volunteer. Danny's spirit is, is still with us, and Akamai is successful and thriving um, also because of him. Wow, well, thank you so much, Yair, for sharing um, those words about Danny. I just have chills hearing that story. Obviously, that's incredibly unfortunate to hear, but it's it's really, really great that, you know, his legacy clearly lives on and, and through Akamai and through the award and all the things you're doing, as you said, his spirit is um, is still with you. So thank you so much for sharing. I, I really enjoyed learning um, that kind of deeper piece of Akamai's history. So, um, yeah, I the one thing that I'm reflecting on with that is just how far ahead Akamai was because like Edge is just and from a mainstream perspective, Edge is just sort of emerging now. And uh, I have to think that the folks at Akamai, especially Tom and Danny, are like, well, we've been doing this for decades. <laughs> um, and also just thinking about where 
you know, technology was in 1998 and how challenging just from a technological perspective that had to have been. Um, and I do you know, like, were they just managing their own data centers all throughout the world or because there wasn't. No, no, we were we were always we were again, this is this is my knowledge. We were always co-located within other data centers. Akamai still doesn't manage some um I don't think we even now manage our own data centers. We are co-located within others. And, and this is part of our strength and, and um, you know, our ability to build such a distributed network. We often compare it to, you know, current cloud providers. You look at AWS or Azure, you know, tens of locations, maybe 20 or 30 locations. So currently, Akamai holds over 300,000 servers globally in over 5,000 locations. Um, so we, you know, we often say that we are within one internet hop of about 90% of internet users globally. So that's, that's the power that Akamai is bringing. And that's why a lot of these big customers are still using us for some of their um, workloads because of the ability to have such a distributed not network very, very close to users. And I remember, Yair, you had told me like a statistic. Uh, there is two different statistics you told me. One was about uh, US-based internet users and how much they interact so with I have, I have to. Yeah, so I have to look it up, but something along the lines of every IP in the United States is hitting Akamai 10 times a day, and every IP globally is hitting Akamai at least once a day. Um, so again, enormous amounts of traffic that is going through through this network. And, and as I mentioned, we are, um, you know, we're a critical, we're a critical infrastructure to make the internet work. Um, and, and, and yeah, I agree, Kyle, about kind of like the vision that Tom and Danny had in the 90s, looking at this and first of all, understanding that, you know, this new technology, the internet is gonna be a global, you know, this, this, uh, uh, this global disruptive technology and everybody's gonna use it. And we would need, and we need something to make it work. So the vision of you know coming in in the '90s, where a lot of people were just laughing about this thing, right? I mean, they're like, you know, we have fax machines, we have phones. Like, why do we need it? But understanding that this thing is going to be huge, but it has a problem that we need to solve. Sitting down, you know, implementing it, and you know, another kind of like anecdote is. So Akamai won at MIT, um, there is an entrepreneurship um, competition. So Akamai won the 1998 um, MIT entrepreneurship competition for $50,000. So they got $50,000 from MIT. They started the company in, at MIT first and then um, kind of like grew out of campus and, and opened uh, offices in Cambridge. And that's where we are today. I mean, Akamai has a uh, a 15 floors uh, building in Cambridge, right outside of, of MIT today. So yeah, an amazing, you know, vision and execution around 
a very simple problem that is very a lot of companies you know it's uh, defining the problem that they are solving is is very difficult defining the problem that akamai is solving is very very easy and you know uh, uh, a five-year-old kid or a six-year-old kid can understand it, with, uh, which I think is is really beautiful. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, the way I think about Akamai too is like a lot of people don't know about Akamai, which to some degree like uh, is probably for the best, right? If you know it, because because it's such a critical infrastructure component to everything that we're using technologically today. That if you heard about it, it's because something unfortunately, you know, unfortunate happened and like that almost never happens, right? Like right. I know about Akamai because I lived in Boston for a while. And so I knew about them and being in technology, but yeah, most people won't. Um, and that's probably for the best, but I'm sure your marketing team uh, would disagree, <laughs> but um, you know, from it's a business- It's actually shopping. changing a little bit. It's actually changing a little bit now. And for the first time ever, right? In 25 years existence, for the first time, uh, we have TV commercials um, that are actually playing on TV. Um, we have billboards. So they had billboards in London and, and other places in, in Europe, which is, I mean, it, it makes me feel great, right? Suddenly people understand or recognize the brand. And it's something that I've always internally, I'm like, why like people don't know about us? If you go on the screen in New York and you ask a hundred people, like what is that? Nobody's, nobody knows what it is, but everybody is using it. And I actually have a presentation that I give sometimes um, externally to, to other organizations. And uh, the title of the presentation is Akamai, the internet giant you've never heard of. Um, and and that that's what it is, right? Um, so so yeah, it's uh, as Kyle mentioned, it's a uh, Akamai in general is a very dynamic, um, you know, vibrant organization. A lot of smart, really nice people. A lot of new development, and I'm going to talk about uh, you know how kind of like we we added um, additional. Uh, functional or additional products on top of this, you know, CDN that, that we basically invented. And Kyle, like you said, you know, people now talk about cloud computing and edge computing about like these new things, right? I mean, we started doing edge computing and cloud computing 20 years ago. Um, nobody knew about it, but Akamai machines were running Java, you know, 20 years ago as edge computing machines not as sophisticated and as robust as it is today, but we invented and actually ran a lot of these concepts that are now being presented as this, you know, new and, and breakthrough technologies across the board. Um, yeah, so, so this was kind of like the first generation uh, of Akamai and there's also aligned with kind of like the first generation of the internet. If you look at it, you know, mid nineties, you know, the World Wide Web as this global communication and, and, and data delivery network where the first browser that came out and, and really became kind of like a consumer facing facing network, but from an infrastructure standpoint, and, and Kyle, this is also relevant to what you mentioned, you know, with distributed database, from an infrastructure standpoint, if you're an organization that wanted to get on the internet, you actually have to buy or lease a physical server. You have to have people go into a data center, put this server in a rack, put you know a cable in it, put some content or a database on it, 
and you were online, right? So you had a site online or you had something, but you had to do, you know, work and own um, a, a lot of hardware in order to have this, this presence online. And, and obviously, the, this hardware was very expensive. Organizations were limited with the amount of hardware that, could, that they could deploy. So they could not come in and say, you know, I'm going to build this global network and I'm going to have servers all over the world. And Akamai enabled that by building this CDN kind of like at the edges, at the edges of, of the internet and, and, and the internet works. So we saw kind of like this way of, um, of building things or this architecture that organizations owned hardware at data centers, either they owned the data centers or leased it in a data center. Uh, their content was on this hardware and people consumed the content that was located on these servers that were owned by these organizations. And, you know, all the way probably, you know, through the 2000s, all the way to 2010, where, you know, the new thing came, right, with cloud. So, so you know, in, in 2010, we started seeing a lot of these, um, you know, companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, come in with, with the new messaging that is called cloud. Um, and Kai, maybe, you, you know, you want to give your perspective on, on kind of like this generational shift. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I remember like companies I worked at uh, through like the late nineties in the two thousands and a lot of the companies like you'd be in the, like the IT department, there was always this like central, it was a pretty consistent like setup where there was like sort of this glass walled room with just these racks and racks. And that was the IT room. And it's just super cold, obviously to keep the hardware cold. Um, and it's crazy to think about that now because most companies don't have any physical infrastructure that they have at all, right? They're just provisioning through, you know, Azure or Amazon or whoever their, you know, cloud provider is. And a lot of times now it's a blend, um, right. or it's like even abstracted further through something like fly.io or like, they're just using a service that might deploy to like multiple providers and they're kind of harmonizing, behind it so it's like even getting more and more abstracted now but it's crazy to think about like as you were talking about that i just had this like physical thought in my mind about how crazy it was that like every company had like a whole team of people that were maintaining hardware doing you know software patches updates uh and they were super stressed out people um especially you know things went down they had to manage that and the cost to it too and i remember like Amazon, like first announcing AWS and like S3 was the first thing and EC2 and like how novel that felt. And like, I remember the, the company I was working for as a friend startup and cause we were using like a small regional provider, but we had to call mm -hmm. someone to install SQL server and things would go down. We had to call somebody and we we're like, oh my gosh, like if we could use Amazon, like we like, cause this is a bit of a hassle, like this company that we're dealing with, and this seems so much easier, right. they didn't have all the services we needed at the time. But after I left, like Seth's company, like they went on to Azure and like his costs went down and like his uptime went right. up and it's been a huge game changer, but it's also been this like, um, centralization, right? Like, so it's created a lot of centralization from a technology perspective. And even though there's a lot of ease 
Um, and when you're first getting on, it, like you're first kind of spinning up a new project or you're a small company, the costs, you're like, well, this is also very cost effective. I can provision through Amazon or whoever my cloud provider is, um, set things up, use this database. Um, but I think what a lot of people are finding is like the locking costs are pretty high. Um, and well, I mean, just as things scale, the costs get higher and higher right. Right. and optionality feels lower and lower because you're just stuck on this one arch, uh, architecture. So, so a hundred percent. And and I also, you know, was was able to kind of like observe the process. Um, you know, I joined Akamai 2000, in 2010, um, and this was kind of like maybe the beginning of the cloud revolution. And we still have most of our customers main either maintaining their own database or their own data centers or you know have their hardware um, owned or leased in you know a rack space data center or something else and then you know as as the cdn provider we were able to see the shift because our customers are coming to us and okay you know we're migrating we're now moving from on-prem to to aws or azure or any other cloud provider and and really the ease, you know, we talk about infrastructure as a service, right? So now, okay, instead of like you said, call someone, I need another three machines, Dell machines in a rack, you just click a button. You click a button and you provision machines. This is, it's like magic, right? So suddenly in what we used to have as software as a service, okay, you know, I have Hotmail and Gmail or whatever, and they will just scale. I don't have to worry about it. Now I can do it with hardware, which looked, it looked like magic, right? So you choose the amount of CPUs, you choose the amount of memory, you choose the amount of disk, and it's just five minutes later, it's there. And, you know, it was it was a good experience and saves a lot of headaches for a lot of people. And we, you know, at Akamai, we saw a huge migration from on-prem and, and data centers to the cloud, which I feel created more opportunities for us um, around, how do you optimize traffic and, you know, lay, a little bit later on security um, for these assets that are now in the cloud? So it's much harder to protect them with a standard firewall. Um, you started having a much, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a much bigger bot problem um, of, you know, scraping and stealing content from from websites and we saw it especially you know the ones that I was exposed to in digital media you know news sites the complete sites are being scraped and copied and 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 uh, you know getting traffic um, so how Akamai came in and looked at this and and started thinking about the opportunities around cloud security how do we take our unique architecture of this highly distributed network in 5,000 locations. And the same way that we used it for, you know, content delivery and make the internet work, how do we use this infrastructure to protect the internet? Um, and we started developing products that were actually technologies that were used internally um, in the beginning. So some of our DDoS technologies, some of our bot management technologies were things internal 
projects and products that we were using to protect our own network um, and built them as products that other customers can start using to protect themselves. Um, and as you know, the technology progressed and developed, of course, the bad guys did the same, right? So they started developing more sophisticated technologies and you started seeing, you know, big organization and nation states that are involved um, in these, these types of, of things. So Akamai was very uniquely positioned um, to be one of the primary players around large scale DDoS protection. Um, we have a lot of visibility into um, internet traffic globally to be able to identify some of these trends, to be able to you know, develop artificial intelligence and machine learning around bot mitigation. Um, so around 2014 and 2015, Akamai made a shift from you know, only CDN, only content acceleration, only large-scale video distribution to becoming, you know, the cloud security company. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we made the internet work in at the kind of like first phase, and we, we started protecting the internet in kind of like the second phase. So it's now working. Everybody's using it. It's it's fine. How do we protect it against these these bad players? And I feel that Akamai has been very successful, both from a marketing perspective, positioning itself as a security company on top of the content delivery network, but also developing really robust, feature-rich, um, and 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 competitive products around cloud security, um, bot mitigation, and and other things. And in the past few years, also going into enterprise security um, with VPN alternative, with micro segmentation, we acquired a company in um, in Israel last year that is a, a global leader in in micro segmentation called Gardecore. So um, yeah, making a lot of a lot of progress on on the security side as well, which is really exciting. Yeah, just, you know, from an outside view, the, you know, the customers that we're engaged with, you know, in partnership with Akamai, like one of the most critical components that uh, they talk about from, you know, there's a lot of, like you were saying, there's a lot of products that Akamai offers, but the the security component is, I think, one of the most critical things for, especially these very large scale uh, customers that Akamai has. It's like, I think the most critical component, obviously there's like, you know, the dynamic routing, which is also important and components right. like that. But if you're not protecting <laughs> those layers, um, everything else like really just doesn't right. matter. And yeah, exactly. and that's, I think, exactly. Yeah. And, the, and I think that's what you're saying too, is there's so many, unfortunately, malicious actors out there that, um, uh, like it's it's if you're not protected uh you're going to get owned pretty fast and you don't want that headline for yourself and that's also like something with partnership with akamai that's really amazing that like as we're doing these engagements with you know akamai we get to have that uh component because like security is always uh a, a concern and is always a topic that's brought up and 
it's not really a big deal when we're partnered with Akamai on these engagements because it's like, yes, because you're already using that, you know, those layers right. on the inside. So like what we're doing is already protected and it like gives it, you know, gives our team a lot of peace of mind <laughs> uh, to have that for us. Great. So, so, so now I think this brings us to kind of like what I see as the third generation of the internet, right? So we talked about, you know, mid nineties to maybe 2010, which was, you know, kind of like the old school standard internet. I put a server in a rack in the database and then Akamai came in with CDN. And then, you know, 2010, the kind of like the cloud revolution. And, you know, we started enabling the cloud as well with different acceleration products and, and protecting with security products. And now, you know, going into the 2020s, you know, 2022 and beyond, what, at least my personal view of, of where, you know, where are we going, right? Where is the internet going? And I think, Kyle, like you said, that's where our kind of like visions are very aligned with with what you you guys are doing. And maybe, you know, I will describe the problem or the challenge first, um, and then we can talk about some of the solutions that we offer together and maybe um, one of the projects um, at a high level that we are working on together. So the cloud, I mean, the cloud has been revolutionary, amazing, you know, infrastructure as a service, you provision, you know, hardware with a, with a click of a button and everybody's using it. But again, it was, you know, two steps forward, but maybe also one step back because again, we are going back to, you know, the centralization problem, right? So now, you know, massive amounts of infrastructure either are on AWS or on Azure or on GCP, are located in you know 20 or 30 locations globally. So again, you know you might have your application running on an AWS um, server in Virginia and you might replicate it to another AWS region in Paris. Um, but, but first of all, as you mentioned, it costs a lot of money. But still, I mean, even if you do it across all AWS locations, you still have unnecessary traffic that is going back and forth between your users and these data centers. So Akamai is providing caching um, for these cloud instances, but sometimes caching is not enough. And there is a very good talk that Bobby Blumoff, our CTO, gave a few weeks ago. Maybe we can post a link on on the notes uh, for the podcast, but Bobby is coming in with the vision of, okay, um, we don't need all the compute to happen in these central locations. So let's bring data to the compute rather than the compute to, to data. Um, so we are trying to move some of these compute instances down from these hyperscalers, from these um, cloud instances closer to the user. And that's something that, that we are doing with you, with, with HarperDB and the ability to replicate data and do compute very efficiently um, closer, closer to users. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, one of the key things that we're seeing too is because there is a really like, well, easy, but there's a lot of layers like with serverless that allow you to just put your logic in and distribute that very easily with you know serverless functions, things like that. Ultimately though, those functions that are acting as APIs are calling back to centralized databases. And so even though your app layer may be close to your user base or whoever needs to get access to those APIs, the latency that's executed through the callback to the you know, data repository, whether that's a database or a file store or whatever it is, um, there's a lot of latency that's incurred from that point. Like if you're in, you know, Buenos Aires and like the data store is centralized in like Chicago, all your global traffic ultimately is hotspotted to one place, maybe two places. Um, and that's a pretty common problem that what we're seeing. And so like to what you're saying now here is like bringing that data down and the compute has been like really like a game changer. And, you know, from our company side, like we've been a bit ahead of the market and it's like really exciting to see that the market is like approaching to where our vision has been. And like, uh, and again, going back to like Akamai's vision has been way ahead of even where ours is. And so like, uh, you know, but you've been able to execute from like a CDN perspective and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's like really exciting time to just see this like sort of breakout and and because what we're seeing too is like customers don't necessarily want to leave their like their primary cloud provider. They just need to explode out. Um, right. And that's really what we're offering too is like with Akamai and us, you're like, yeah, you can stay on, you know, AWS and then explode out and make it super easy to bring your logic down and your data down and also replicate what matters cross regionally, keep things that need to be local, local, things like that. Right. So, so with this kind of like vision in mind, um, Akamai recently acquired a company by the name of Linode, um, which is, you know, Linode is like a mini AWS, right? It's much, much smaller but it provides similar functionality to AWS without a lot of the bells and whistles and kind of like long tail, um, you know, applications that AWS provides. But at, uh, at the core, it's the same infrastructure as a service. Linode has 11 data centers at the moment, but Akamai plans to expand to many, many more. And again, my point of view is that Linode is gonna be the foundation of what we call the edge cloud network. So like you said, and I tell a lot of my customers, not everything belongs in the cloud, right? There are a lot of workloads that don't necessarily need to run in the cloud. Some of these workloads are much better being executed locally, closer to the user, and especially with the abilities that you know HarperDB is providing around low latency data replication, so you're basically solving you know the problem of data consistency. A lot of times you come in and you say, hey, you know you can run this application on the edge. What about data consistency? How am I going to make sure that my data is consistent? So the answer to that is HarperDB. Um, so you know we can talk a little bit at, the, at a high level 
about a recent project that we are working together. I'm very excited about, about what we were able to achieve there. Um, so I'm gonna you know, talk about the problem that, that we saw with, with this customer. So we are talking about one of the largest APIs on, on the planet. Um, without naming names, a global API that is seeing um, trillions of requests per month um, and is mostly focused around local data. Um, so the data that users are consuming is very tightly coupled with their location. So we go back to the problem that we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. Um, users need to consume local data. Right now with the current kind of like cloud stack, the request is gonna go all the way up to the cloud that is located in North America or in Europe to calculate the result for um, the request that the user is sending and, and sending the response back. So while this customer, this specific customer is running some very sophisticated mathematical and statistical models on the cloud, which will stay in the cloud um, long-term, some of these very simple calculations around which data should I provide for a certain location or which language should this data be served at, a lot of these decisions can be done at what we call the edge cloud layer. So we built a solution together with HarperDB to migrate some of this functionality from two Azure locations to 10 Linode locations and potentially even more as we expand and saving a vast majority of the traffic that is going to these Azure origins and making these calculations locally on these Linode instances. So we are showing, we're, we're showing two things with, with this solution. One, we are providing much better performance from a latency standpoint. And for this specific customer with the global API, latency is extremely important. They are contracted with, um, with their customers around um, maximum latency. So we are providing much better um, performance. And we are also showing that we can save a lot of money on Azure infrastructure um, by absorbing this traffic and making these um, calculations locally closer to the user. Um, so Kaya, maybe you want to add some, you know, HyperDB perspective um, and, and how sure. you see and, and like you said, it's completely aligned with, you know, how we see the internet changing and more functionality being pushed down. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, you covered <laughs> pretty much all of it. Um, you know, the one like thing that I really took away from like the value add for this customer was, you, you know, like it's like they're focused on the statistical models and things like that. And like they have a very specific like specialty, but because of how they need to deliver it and like the wraparound business that they have, like they have to incur all this extra infrastructure, all these extra services that really isn't their central business model. And so what we've enabled for them is to break away from that, to have the capability to have less infrastructure, lower their costs, focus more on like what 
actually differentiates them and like they really the key thing for them the distillation was we get to deploy our logic and like deploy logic as functions the rest is managed through uh akamai and harper db and they can really focus on what they need to focus on lower their costs like you said um and like their sla covers like their throughput and just offloading all that as a managed service um and that's i think what really sparked him up and also like bringing the data and logic out to the user base and again because the slas that they have right. making sure that like you know they're getting paid based off of whether they're hitting their targets and right. so we're bringing everything down and out um to get them so much closer and um because harper db functions or javascript you know, they have a team, like most engineers are familiar with JavaScript and, you know, the feedback we got was, oh, great, this is knowable. We can easily, you know, create new services, adapt ones that we have, deploy those out because we're adhering to, you know, pretty common, like uh, CI, CD pipeline paradigms. And so it like ends up being pretty seamless for their team as well. And I think that was also some extra value adds that were really critical that we were able to demonstrate to them as well. Right, and, and and like you mentioned, a lot of that is around kind of like the difference between cloud and serverless, right? A lot of people don't really understand what the difference between cloud and serverless and the, the easiest way in my opinion to explain it is cloud you have to provision, serverless, you know, scales on its own. Um, and, and, you know, that's how we see a lot of the solutions that we are able to offer together is you're not going to have to provision a server for this, right? This is, it's going to work regardless of the amounts of traffic, the same way that Akamai works, right? You don't have to provision bot servers for, you know, bot mitigation. You don't have to provision servers for content delivery or video delivery or anything else. You deploy your application and it just works. And that's the way how we see kind of like this next generation of internet is you deploy an application which will be executed closer to users and you don't have to worry about infrastructure at all. Yeah. And, you know, the thing too with like the, you know, the Akamai Linode uh, acquisition is there's like really good compute and network that is also then tied like, uh, you know, like being able to like route that traffic uh, even more, like Akamai is great at routing traffic anyway, but like when we're talking about latency, being able to like hook into the Akamai network, uh, like all that sort of native integration that happens through this like broadening ecosystem that Akamai has. It's like, it's just a, you know, we have a really powerful product but then like tied in with Akamai, it just, it turns into like a superpower and that's like okay. really exciting for us. Yeah. Great. So that's, that's where we are going. Um, I'm very excited about the future. I think, um, you know, it, it, it's perfectly aligned with, I think what both companies are trying to build and at least what we hear from a lot of our customers that you know the the cloud was was huge it's it's an amazing promise but 
there are limitations, um, both from a cost perspective, capacity perspective, from an operational perspective, right? I mean, a lot of our customers are, are you know, they have teams that all they do is, you know, manage their AWS or Azure infrastructure. They don't want to have teams to manage infrastructure. They want to focus on their core business, whether they are a media company or an advertising company or a weather company. They want to focus on their core business and not on managing infrastructure. And I think with this model of edge cloud and serverless, they will be able to do it even better. Yeah. And, you know, anecdotally, that, that's also why HarperDB was really started because we were at a startup before this um, and a majority of our time was spent managing our data infrastructure. And we just realized, sorry, my dog is walking around behind me. <laughs> um, but we spent most of our time and money just on that and like all the infrastructure around that. And so that really spawned like the philosophy and the mission that we're achieving now is just based out. I mean, the best companies are based out of like they were frustrated with something in the past, right? And then you exactly. learn how to execute on it. Um, and, uh, but also kudos to like Tom and Danny for like, they got ahead of it and didn't get like, be like, oh, there's already a problem. But like, that's like, like exceptional vision is to be able to see like, this is going to be a problem and let's get ahead of this. I mean, that's very unique. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Yair and Kyle. This has been really interesting. It's it's also extremely helpful to tie everything together here at the end um, with an actual example of how we're implementing this strategy with a with a real customer. So I think that's a really great way for, for everything to come full circle and um, you know, see that we see that this is the need where the market's going, explain why and then how are we implementing that. So this has been really helpful for me. I'm sure it will be for anyone listening. I really appreciate you both taking the time. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, you're, I'll put some different links in the show notes. And as always, if folks listening have any feedback or questions or anything after listening, we always love to hear from you. So don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I look forward to seeing where our partnership continues to go with you, Akamai, and um, look forward to keeping in touch. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks, Margo. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.